0: This is the Actionable UX Podcast, where we provide research-backed insights you can use right now to start building world-class product experiences. I'm your host, Austin Acevedo. For each episode in the series, I'll present a new topic or effect, summarize a key scientific study related to that topic, and offer a few examples for how you can implement it today. This episode, we're talking about loss aversion. After this episode, you'll be able to more effectively influence your users to purchase your products when faced with a buying decision and be more responsive to your promotions. Let's get started. Loss aversion is a cognitive bias in which people are more averse to losses than they are to gains. It suggests that we are more likely to take action to avoid a loss than to acquire a gain. We dislike losses so much, we are even more likely to take on risk to avoid a loss rather than gain rewards. We see examples of this all the time. It's easy to avoid investing in the stock market for fear of doing so at the wrong time and then losing your investment. People often refuse to switch cell phone plans for fear of losing their existing benefits. It's very common for people to keep a job that is unsatisfying but offers a steady income. We even hang on to material items that we probably haven't used for years, just so that we don't risk having to buy that item again at some point in the future, even though our track record clearly shows we're not going to use it. This phenomenon has been rigorously tested over the past 44 years, and it all started with David Kahneman and Amos Tversky. Kahneman and Tversky are two of the most prominent figures in the field of behavioral economics and cognitive psychology. Each of them have earned a Nobel Prize for their work and are known primarily for their breakthroughs in psychology of judgment and decision making. Loss aversion was first introduced in their 1979 paper, Prospect Theory, An Analysis of Decision Under Risk. To better understand loss aversion, I'm going to talk briefly about prospect theory. Up until this point, it was broadly accepted that people are able to make rational decisions and primarily do so by weighing how much value they think they will attain from something. This is the basis of what's called utility theory. We all anecdotally have proof of this being accurate to some degree. When we think about buying a car, for example, we often have an inner criteria for what a good choice will be based on our particular needs. For example, I have a 13-month-old at home, which requires us to pack a ton of stuff in the car. Bags, strollers, car seat, and so on. Although I'd love to be cruising in a two-door Porsche, I'm definitely going to attain more value from an SUV. However, what utility theory fails to acknowledge is how we think about risk and how impactful perceived risk is on our decisions. Kahneman and Tversky's prospect theory challenges utility theory by suggesting that people weigh their perceptions of risk more heavily than the expected utility we expect to gain from something. We'll get more into prospect theory in another episode, but the takeaway here is that risk plays a huge role in how we make decisions, and we generally tend to be more risk-averse when it comes to perceived losses. Kahneman and Tversky tested this theory by presenting study participants with the following problems. Just for fun, try to answer them for yourself as well. Problem 1. In addition to whatever you own, you have been given $1,000. You now have two choices. Option A. You have a 50% chance of earning an additional $1,000. Option B. You get a guaranteed additional $500. Which do you choose? If you chose option B, a guaranteed additional $500, you are joined by the majority of Kahneman and Tversky's test subjects. How about this one? Problem 2. In addition to whatever you own, you have been given $2,000. Nice. You now have two choices. Option A. You have a 50% chance of losing $1,000. Option B. You have a guaranteed loss of $500. Which do you choose? If you chose option A to have a 50% chance of losing $1,000, you are again joined by the majority of test subjects. What these problems as well as many others documented in the study demonstrate is that losses feel disproportionately more painful than gains. The probabilities for the outcomes in these two problems are exactly the same, but our logic is clearly affected when we are presented with a perceived guaranteed loss. This is even the case when actual losses are very small. When we perceive to have something in our possession, it's particularly hard to let go. Furthermore, when it comes to money, especially coming into bonus money like the examples above, Kahneman and Tversky consider that there is a strong possibility we've already subconsciously thought about what we would spend that money on. I don't know about you, but when reviewing these problems mentioned for the first time, as soon as I read you've been given $1,000, images started immediately flashing in my head for what I would spend this money on. You can imagine that this extends the effects of loss aversion, because in this example, that image, that object or experience we would want to spend that extra cash on, in our minds is as good as ours. We emotionally have already decided that that's what we would want to buy. If we then are told that that money would no longer be available to us, it's easy to think of this as not just losing the money, but losing the thing that we actually wanted. There are a handful of other factors that are brought up in this study, But one more that's high impact is decisions that could affect a person's standard of living. Kahneman and Tversky discuss that the potential of lowering someone's standard of living has incredible force when it comes to loss aversion. When we've become accustomed to a particular lifestyle, there is a strong innate desire for us not to feel like we're going backwards. These test results have been replicated as recently as 2020 in a global study done by Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health effectively replicating Kahneman and Tversky's experiments with a 94% success rate. Learn how to implement this effect into your product after the break. Welcome back. Here are your examples for how to implement loss aversion into your product right now. I'd like to note that it's important to be very thoughtful and even careful about how you incorporate loss aversion. This topic is rife with opportunity for accidental deceptive patterns. Deceptive patterns are techniques used to manipulate users into taking an action or making a decision that benefits the business without benefiting the user. Deceptive patterns may be effective in the short run, but have very high likelihood of negative consequences that could be fatal for a brand. They can quickly destroy trust with your users if they feel misled, they can have serious legal implications, and ultimately can create significant bad publicity very quickly due to the effectiveness of word of mouth and social media. People also remember bad experiences longer than good experiences, so any frustration or confusion created by your app will likely stick with the user for a long time. All that to say, make sure you're using loss aversion and any of the concepts presented in this podcast with good intention for your business as well as your user. So how do we go about doing this for loss aversion? A few bad examples include pop-up countdown timers, which are mostly outdated, but I still see them every once in a while, telling users they have five minutes to make a purchase with a discount, or telling them that an item is running out of stock and someone else is looking right now. These create stress for a user and ultimately leave a bad impression of your service. Any sort of ultimatum to push the user to buy something immediately will often be a good reason for them to seek out one of your competitors who they trust and probably enjoy using a lot more. Now for some good examples. Returning to our study, loss aversion occurs when the user has perceived that they have something in their possession and that there is a potential of them losing it. The freemium model in software as a service products uses this really effectively. Let's say that as a user, we have a task management app that we love. We sign up and are allowed to use it for a month for free. We build the perfect table, organize all of our status columns, and are able to effectively track how much we get done each week. It's added a lot of value for us. The end of the month comes and we're locked out from adding additional tasks to our table. We are now faced with the potential of losing the time that we spent building the system, the table, and even the tasks themselves. This creates an internal desire for us to want to subscribe to the service so that we avoid the loss of these things. Looking back at our study's point about standard of living, let's say through user engagement tracking. The task management app brand has found that a month is the perfect amount of time for a user to get accustomed to the value that the app has provided to them in their daily lives. After the month is up, the user hopefully doesn't want to go back to their disorganized lifestyle before using the app. Think about if a freemium model fits your product. Think about how you can allow your users to build something of value to them. So that when the end of their trial arrives they are motivated not to lose what they have built and choose to purchase your product. Is there a competitive element to your app or product? Can you create one? If so, leaderboards could be an effective way to use loss aversion. Let's say you have a leaderboard for which users use your app most frequently. You can encourage these users not to quote lose their position by completing a few more tasks in your app before leaving to do something else, for example. A great way to use loss aversion to positively persuade your users is by starting with user research. The goal is to understand their inhibitions for making a buying decision or completing a task in your product. Once you have a list of validated inhibitions, think about them in the frame of loss aversion. What does your product give users more of? What would they be losing out on if they are not using your product? Let's say you have a product that saves users time. How much time will it save them in a month? Enough time to spend half a day hiking in nature? Enough time to hit the beach? TurboTax nails this approach with the catchphrase, once you meet with a TurboTax expert, you are free to do, not taxes. And then shows a variety of people spending their time doing various hobbies. This is applicable to loss aversion because now the viewer is thinking about the lost opportunity to do their hobbies by having to do their own taxes, which creates the internal desire to use TurboTax. Awesome. There's a lot of room for creativity here, but a very effective strategy for loss aversion is starting with understanding your users' objections. Think about them in the frame of what your users will lose out on by not using your product. Then communicate that to your users in your experience. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's concept or check out the rest of our content, please head to our website at theactionableuxpodcast.com. If you'd like to help support the show so we can continue to help you build better products, you can do that at our Patreon, which is www.patreon.com slash theactionableuxpodcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.